Welcome to The Working Ants with me, your host and coach, Rami Balut. I'm going to share with you secrets and strategies you only wish you knew years ago to accelerate your career today. This is practical stuff, no fluff. My mission is to create a new generation of leaders that brings out the best in people. This is where passions and profession yield profitability. Welcome to The Working Ants. We have a lot to talk about today, as we do all the time, but I will start it out in true fashion with a quote. It is time you realized that you have something in you more powerful and miraculous than the things that affect you and make you dance like a puppet. And that is from uh, none other than the great Marcus Aurelius. You know, I love I love this particular quote. It's sometimes quite difficult for me to actually use it because it's almost like implying that, you know, we are being influenced uh, by, by things uh, that allow us to dance like a puppet or, or feel like we actually are one. And uh, for those of you that are uh, fond about thinking about the system being in that way, that you've been uh, confined and constrained uh, for quite some time, Obviously, you may feel that way. It's not the best of feelings, but I like to take the first half of that, and that is that we certainly are much more powerful and miraculous in nature than those things that affect us in such a way. And today, we're going to be talking about something very, very similar to that, and that is sort of how our behaviors are really shaped in the decisions that we actually make. I want to talk about this at a high level, then get to some very specific practical things that we should consider. And it all starts really because of, uh, of some of the questions um, and, then, and then the interactions that I actually have with you. If you've been working with me uh, one-on-one or part of the program or uh, reaching out to me and interacting with me that way, you know, I, I typically will speak uh, one-on-one uh, with individuals that want to change their behavior in some way. And that typically comes out in multiple ways. So I'll be speaking to individuals at times that would say, you know what, what I've been doing is just not working. It's just not working. So something needs to change. Well-intentioned, wonderful, smart, incredible individuals uh, like yourself. They've known that for far too long, for whatever reason, they've been operating in a way that just hasn't yielded optimal results. It just hasn't. They're well-intentioned again. They just haven't haven't achieved the optimal results they're actually looking for. For some, it actually has produced adverse outcomes of some sort. Unintended consequences, perhaps, if you want to call it that. And they have tried numerous formulas, uh, numerous process-driven strategies, some of them by award-winning influencers by award-winning anthropologists, psychologists, uh, and some by coaches as well. And yet, they still have found themselves unable to acquire what they have sought out for themselves. And that's typically when I will engage with such individuals, uh, whether or not this is a a long-term sort of relationship or a mere 15-minute consultation of some sort. These, again, are really, really good people, well-intentioned people. They've invested uh, time. They've invested money. They've invested a large amount of emotional capital here that has really, really 
been the forefront of their desire to acquire something that they felt that they should have, something that was more deserving of themselves. And for far too long, they've avoided this idea of pain. And so now they've really sought out this pleasurable feeling of what it is they actually want for themselves. And earlier in my career as a coach, I'll admit something here, and that is I was totally fixated on the process itself. And no surprise to many of you, you know, it's the process that actually yields the intended outcome. So why focus on the obvious outcome that we want for ourselves? And instead, why not focus on the process itself? It's the right process that yields the right outcome. You've heard that statement in multiple different forms over the course of your career. If you haven't, I encourage you to start thinking about that right away. But of course, that's not the topic of conversation for today. But I simply want to remind you of that. And the reason why I'm mentioning it as the earlier sort of part of my career as a coach is because I was fixated on that. I was fixated on the process itself. Let's generate a great, customizable, compelling process that we can sustain and maintain over time that would yield the right outcome that we want for ourselves, the outcome that we intended. And that still, by the way, applies very, very much to today, except for a little bit of a twist here that I'm going to be sharing with you in our time with one another today. But I did want to mention this, that I always believed that in process, process was the way to go. Process versus, out, versus outcome, right? The intended outcome, the intended goal is often clear. It's often clear. I want to transition. I want to get promoted. I want to renegotiate my salary. I want to feel aligned to the activities that I do based on the values that I hold near and dear to myself, right? The decisions that we make to go through the process is often based on probability of some kind. There's a probability we're hedging on. There's a probability that we believe that we should take a leap of faith on, that we should take an intelligent risk. Or for those of us that are in dire circumstances of some sort, we throw out a Hail Mary of some kind. Yes, I'll do whatever it takes. Put me through this process. Put me through this program. I want to yield a different outcome than I have been dealt for far too long, for far too long. Some people just want out. They want this change and they're willing to invest the, t the time, sacrifice. They're willing to step outside of their, their comfort zones, do something different and make any sort of necessary change to their thinking, to their biases and their, and their behaviors. But what's often overlooked, and this is sort of the twist of our time with one another today, is actually how we are measuring success, how we're actually measuring our success. And I'm going to get into what I believe is a profound statement in just a moment that I hope will start changing things in the way you perceive the optics of how it is you measure your success. The experience of those, and I want to say this, this prior to putting out the statement, the experience of those of us that we have actually acquired over the years typically is a result of bad judgment of some kind in the past, either the bad judgment that we have actually had for ourselves or bad judgment that we have seen in others. And the experience that we actually have today is as a result of those sort of bad decisions, things that were overlooked, 
things that were unintended, you know, that actually took place as a result of some action we actually took. And it's a result of that sort of bad judgment of some kind. Often it's a result of this bad judgment. We have this experience of today. Well, let me tell you why I actually believe this. It's actually because I went through it. I overlooked it. Something actually took place that was an unintended outcome. But I want to put that aside for just a moment because I, I truly believe in the following statement that I want us to consider for today and actually which we want us to consider moving forward. And so here it is. What we choose to measure is what truly drives our behavior. I want you to think about that for a moment. What we choose to measure is what truly drives our behavior. If we look at what we quantify as success, then our behaviors will actually move in that direction. Profound statement perhaps, uh, but, but perhaps also nothing new. It's just that we haven't looked at it in a particular way that I'm about to disclose in some practical sort of examples um, and ideas, of course, for you to consider. But what we choose to measure is what truly drives our behavior. So if we're looking to make a career transition, let's go high level here. What we choose to measure here is actually making that career transition, right? And so what we do is we drive our behaviors. We skew and frame our actions of thought in order to achieve that intended outcome, which is to make a career transition. Now, we didn't get into the how, we didn't get into the why, we didn't get into the what, but we have this outcome, right? We wanna make a career transition for ourselves. And what's often overlooked in this process itself is this baseline value-driven way of looking at what it is we choose to measure as our success. Because when we look at what it is that we do, any goal that we currently have today, and we measure what that goal's success looks like, our actions, our behaviors will align accordingly to achieve it. It's natural, it's human behavior, right? It's almost like saying that, you know, if we're hungry, we're going to do everything we can to satiate our appetite of some sort, to satiate our palate of some sort. But we also, also may not be thinking with what? And is it actually the best thing for us? Now, this is not obviously health related. This is just an analogy that I'm actually giving in that when we actually think about what it is that we want, we may think of a particular process on how to get there. When we measure what it is that we want, we may measure it by the actual outcome itself, but we're not really thinking about how we measure our success deeply enough. Should we look at it more deeply, we'll actually find how much more power, as Marcus Aurelius actually said, and how much miraculous sort of innate things that we have in our nature to actually skew it in a direction that is much more compelling in nature and much more fulfilling in nature when we actually reach it. And in fact, it actually becomes much more aligned in nature when we actually achieve it. So for those of you that know me quite well, you'll know that I, that I constantly will say, you know, my biggest fear as a coach is that, you know, when my clients make a successful career transition, that in fact, that successful career transition that we once thought was the right thing to do, six months, one year later, we think to ourselves like, was it really the right thing to do? I mean, did we go for the title? Did we go for compensation? Did we go for impact? Did we go for influence? What did we go for? And was it the right decision that we made to take that opportunity?
And I want to ensure that at some point in time, before you actually make that decision, that we've actually aligned ourselves accordingly. We've asked very difficult questions, and yours truly, of course, here typically plays the role of, you know, uh, let's just let's just put it let's just put it plainly before I get into more details here. But the the, the questioner, questioning why we're made, we've made this decision. And, you know, it's important that we actually do that. It's not the funnest thing that I actually do, because typically at this point in time, we're overwhelmed with excitement. But I, I have to sort of play that role to ensure that, you know, you are actually going to be aligned for your next career transition. But going back to that statement, what we choose to measure is what truly drives behavior. What I'm really saying is how you choose to quantify your success is the primary driver of your behavior, is the primary driver of your behavior. So let's take some really, really strong, practical, detailed examples here of how Rami sorts of, sort of arrives at these statements, of course, and how I can sort of back that up with something very practical. Now, for those of you that are currently employed, for those of you that are currently working and employed and you want to sort of like up-level yourselves, I think this, this is a really, really good indication of, of what it is I mean in particular. So I want to give an example of a client of mine who actually heads a customer success organization, a customer success organization. And what they do is she actually runs a team that supports people that support other people in the organization. So if you wanted to file a ticket, something was wrong, something was broken, you would actually file a ticket with her organization, the customer success organization. It's a customer support organization. Okay. They field the support tickets to their people, right? And one primary outcome that she wants to use in order to measure her success is stellar customer service. No surprise, right? I hope you're with me now. I hope you're still with me. So someone who owns a customer success organization, primary goal here is to deliver exceptional customer service. And so the actions that they have taken to make it so, in one particular way, is to reduce the time to resolve these tickets that they receive. So it's to reduce the time that, to resolve these tickets that they actually received. So what they actually do is by bringing the time, the amount of time to close a ticket out down, down, this would obviously contribute to the success of excellent customer service. And you think about it, it's no brainer here, right? If I or you or anybody else or like my client is running a customer support organization and the outcome, you know, our mission, our vision, let's just say, our ultimate goal is to provide stellar customer service. Well, then we want to turn around the time it takes right, to close out particular tickets. So if a customer is actually gonna call us or reach out to us, we wanna close out that time as quickly as possible. That time to resolve TTR, for those of you in customer service, that we wanna bring that number down. We wanna bring that number down. If we, if we can close the gap on that number, we can bring that number down. Well, I'm sure you would agree with me in that it actually contributes to great customer service. And it certainly does. And a lot of, a lot of technology is built around that. A lot of process is driven around that, bringing the time to resolve down. But by dedicating themselves to this metric, okay, by, to this metric in itself as a measure of a success, their, their behaviors in this particular case is aligned to speed. Speed, speed, speed. Let's get that time to resolve 
as fast as possible. And so all of this stuff is sort of designed around speed. I'm not going to get into like, you know, the technology around it. Of course, there is a lot of technology around it, but speed is one of them. Let's bring that speed down. Let's bring that speed rather up, right? And close the loop for a time to resolve and bring that number down. So over time, they bought into this narrative, right? Bring that number down. The time to resolve, bring that number down. It was maybe three minutes. Let's make it two minutes. Let's make it a minute and a half, right? And so what this actually did was bring the number down, which was great. And this particular client of mine went and presented in front of her stakeholders and whatnot that, you know, this number has been brought down. And initially, she was very, very much thanked for it. Like, what a great job you've done in bringing this number down. I mean, excellent stuff. You've got a stellar team using the right technology. You're bringing this number down. But the unintended consequence that was not measured, that was not measured, is that the number of tickets actually went up. So the time to resolve the tickets was going down, but the number of tickets, the amount of tickets was going up. And so what does this actually mean? What does this actually mean? Well, it turns out, of course, that those two numbers were not mutually exclusive or rather were mutually exclusive, right? Very, very different. Very, very different. Time to resolve and the number of tickets that were actually being, being filed. And so what was actually being used as a primary driver of measuring success allowed something else to be overlooked, which was the number of tickets. And it turns out that the number of tickets alluded to the fact that things were not fully resolved, right? Things were not fully resolved and other problems that were filed to begin with were overlooked. And so this had a trickle down effect and it actually had to be totally, totally, totally relooked and recalibrated as to how it was she was measuring the success of her organization. And I want that to actually apply to you today. So when you look at how you measure your success, right? When you look at those specific success metrics, right? How, how is that? How is that framing the behavior that you have? I'm sure because, because you're human last time I checked, you are dedicating yourself, your focus and your resources in that direction. And what may happen as has happened in, in this particular example is that we're actually overlooking something else that is equally as important, but mutually exclusive. And so I want you to think about that because for those of you today that are looking to up-level yourselves at work, and this just may mean that you want um, a higher title, that you want more influence, more scope, more impact, more interaction with, with leadership perhaps, with customers perhaps, with the intention of producing a positive outcome. When we measure that outcome itself, it may actually be different than what we should be measuring to begin with. So that could be one success metric that we're looking at, which is the intended outcome. Our behaviors are actually skewed towards achieving that, but along the way, we may be overlooking something that actually should be measured, which actually would then influence our behaviors in a different direction, in a mutually exclusive direction, that actually would serve us quite better moving forward. It would actually ensure that what we're actually doing is of higher quality, is of sustainability, is of reliability, is of the test over time, longevity, right? And that's what I believe quality is. Quality is longevity over time, right? Withstanding the test of time. 
and, and is simplistic in nature, by the way. So just add on to that. But what about those of you now that actually want to make another career transition, that want to make a transition for yourself of some sort? It could be internal. It could be external. Want to get a new job? Right? That's the intended outcome. Any job? I think not. Right? Getting a higher, higher position, for example, right? at work. Well, what are the consequences of that? What are the consequences of that? How are you measuring that? Right? How are you measuring that? And what I mean here in specific is like if you want to get like a higher position or even just a higher salary, for example, right? which I think many of us would immediately say yes and yes and we deserve it. And by the way, I, I truly do believe that you do deserve it. What are the consequences of that action? Right? What, what, where are you going here? Let's just say you actually did achieve it. You got that higher salary. Right? You made a transition to a higher position. What does that actually mean? You've measured your success by achieving that, but is that what you truly should be measuring? Does that withstand the test of time? And oftentimes it just does not. Oftentimes it just does not. It's almost like saying, for those of you that actually believe that, you know what? I get bored quite easily. I achieve something and then I just get bored. The value of that, that I wanted to achieve so much, once I've actually had it, it's kind of like buyer's remorse. Jesus. Did I actually want it? What was actually this really worth to me? And if, if you feel deflated at times, and if you feel confused at times by this, well, this is for you. This is for you because what you choose to measure is what is truly driving your behavior. And what drives your behavior drives your emotion, drives your emotion, drives how you actually feel about it. And it's extremely important that you actually recognize this because if you actually do, you can start looking at it differently. You can start framing your thoughts, framing your actions, framing how you believe and how you truly value what is successful to you by measuring things differently, by measuring things differently. So on the material side of things, on the personal side of things, if you wanted to buy a house, for example, right? And that was your goal. And I know many of you have this goal. I, I want to buy a home. I want to be a homeowner right here in the United States. It's a huge part of our culture, you know, buying a home, right? Buying a home. Of course, that culture is very much shifting, uh, but nevertheless, it's quite prevalent still in that buying a house is a part of what it is that we feel. And this actually transcends, of course, in many different places across the world. But if buying a house is how you measure your success, and it's just how you measure your success, well, you're setting yourself up for a world of disappointment and pain and actually somewhat mild, uh, depressive state, I would say, not the clinical kind. I'm just talking about the functional kind of feeling that, okay, I, I, I got it. I achieved it. What now? Where do I find my meaning? Where do I get this? Like, wh where do I find my significance? It's no wonder at times that so many of my clients over time that achieve these material things end up looking at the gap of the spiritual side of things, the personal development side of things, right? The forces of the universe side of things, whatever, whatever it is you want to call it. They take on new habits, take on new hobbies, looking at things differently. It's because they've understood, even though they didn't say it explicitly, that these goals that they were actually measuring to achieve were not enough to satiate their appetites of fulfillment, of personal fulfillment, right? It's almost like waiting for that vacation to happen, right? For those of you that have two weeks, one month, whatever, 
right? Waiting for a vacation to happen. You want to go and, and, and have a vacation. By the way, just the other day, I read, you know, Airbnb's sort of like feelings of, of, of vacationing. This is during COVID times. Of course, they're expecting a surge. Well, of course, they're going to expect a surge, right? Of course, they're going to expect a surge because once things actually stabilize, I'm sure a lot of people actually go out. You know, you think about things from a, from a place of deficiency, perhaps. I wish I could do this. I'm confined and I cannot do that. And so you measure your feelings of fulfillment based on some of those things that you cannot do. For example, for us today, many of us is actually taking a holiday vacation, for example, right? I had a client last week that said, Rami, I was planning on going to Hawaii. I couldn't go to Hawaii. COVID tests couldn't come back soon enough. So I ended up going down uh, to the coast, uh, which was obviously equally as beautiful in my opinion. But nevertheless, he had equated that measure of success of fulfillment with taking that vacation. And of course, the fact that he wasn't able to made him feel like, you know, he actually wasn't wasn't able to achieve that level of fulfillment that he wanted for himself and his family. But but let's look at this 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 example and just in its simplistic nature. If we want to take a vacation, we're planning for taking that vacation. We've done everything we can to take this vacation and we're actually on this vacation. I don't know how many of you actually feel that when you're on the when you're on a particular vacation, if you're feeling this way, please do let me know. You know, it's like, my gosh, I, I'm on this vacation. You know, A, I feel freaking amazing, or I should feel freaking amazing that I'm actually on it. But B, I'm scared I'm going to lose it. And so I want to do everything I possibly can to make sure that I maximize my time. And then by doing so, we actually may feel conflicted because we actually miss out living in that present moment. So when we're on that beach, that coastline, that river, wherever it is, right, that mountainous range, and we take that glass of champagne or whatever it actually is, and we say, you know, cheers to the moment. You know, how many of us are actually living in that moment? I would say, you know, not too many. If you're one of those people, amazing, all the power to you. But some of the times it's because we actually measured that moment in our minds. And we actually, when we were there, we actually felt quite different about it. And that's because we chose to measure, to measure our success, to measure our fulfillment by being at that moment. When in fact, it's a part of it, part of our fulfillment, a part of our success, but it's not something that can withstand the test of time. If you're wishing that you're going to get to that point where you, you've bought your home on the personal level here, of course, or taken that vacation, and that is enough for you, well, then all the power to you. But for the majority of people, the majority of people in Rami's world, and it's my practice, of course, here that I'm referring to, it's just not enough. People aspire for more. And one way that we can actually skew their aspirations with fulfillment and align it accordingly is choosing what it is that we can measure. So choose what it is that you can measure, because if you choose what you what it is that you can measure deliberately, intentionally, and with some sort of awareness and enlightenment for the future, you actually will skew your behaviors accordingly, which then affect the way you feel about it emotionally when you do achieve it, because it's an, it's an inevitability. It's just a matter of time before you start achieving things that you wanted to achieve. So I'm asking you not to prolong the inevitable, right? And to align yourself accordingly with something that you can do long-term. Now, I don't think that's actually enough for today. I think there's actually more I can share with you around this. And, and, I, and, I, and I want to, of course, share um, with you, share more with you. Because I believe, you know, our, our minds, and by the way, this is not just Rami's belief. This is, this is having a lot to do with what many mainstream sort of psychologists actually would believe, that our mind works in three, in three distinct ways. Number one, we are trying to understand and ascertain what we actually should be focusing on. Number one, what should we be focusing on? Number two, 
what does this actually mean for us? What does this actually mean for us when we're actually focusing on something? And number three, what are we going to be doing about it? What are we going to be doing about it, right? You may not realize this, but if you think about it for a moment, think about these three things, what you're focusing on, what it means to you, and what you're going to be doing about it. Typically, your mind will be working in these three main buckets. And there's a lot of gray in between, of course, but in three main ways, this is the way we're actually think. This is the way we think. What we're focusing on, what does it mean for us? What are we going to be doing about it? Now, as you probably will recognize, the number three part, right, is what we're actually talking about today. It's, it's what actually is being influenced and how it is we measure things. And that is actually measured, influenced and measured by what number two is, which what it actually means for us, right? That's how we start measuring our success. But how we measure our success, again here, the meaning that we actually get right? The meaning we actually get from number two that drives the behavior and number three, what we're actually going to be doing about it is actually driving our own behavior. It's driving our own behavior, right? So if, you know, we, we want to ace an interview, what do we do? We practice. But again, I mentioned how, what, why, right? where. We want to get promoted. Title, money, is that what we want? If it is, then our behavior is going to be influenced that way as well. But what I'm trying to say is, if we go back to number one here, which is, what am I actually focusing on? Well, that's obviously going to be the most important thing here. Think about not just the goal, but how it is you measure its success, right? The actions and activities associated with how you measure that success. Because this shapes not only your behavior, but what it is you actually value. Again, this shapes not only your behavior, but reinforces what it is you actually value, what is important, what is important, what is important to you. So again here, I want you to really, really try to either write this down or think about this, right? And that what you choose to measure is truly what's driving your behavior. So, well, choose wisely choose wisely. And don't take the easy route of just measuring what it is the outcome is, but measure what the actual success is of that outcome. And ask yourself if the behaviors that you're currently on the path towards in achieving that outcome are truly aligned with your values. If they are, definitely on the right path. We've got the long term, buckled down, tightly knit, whatever other analogy you want to use but ensure that you're actually asking yourself this question. Because more often than not, you'll save yourself years and years and years of confusion, of pain, of not understanding why it is you feel unfulfilled when all you really had to do was ask yourself these questions. If you've gotten this far in my podcast, I'm hoping that means that you love my coaching content. If you'd like to continue the journey with me on a much deeper, personal, and immersive level, please visit my website at bramibalut.com and schedule a 45-minute real talk session with me. You can also enroll my online program at theworkingant.com and join me for five months of weekly live group coaching where you can ask me your questions live in a group coaching setting. Use code podcast for an incredible discount at checkout. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Your career fulfillment is so important to me. You deserve nothing less than that. I truly hope you take what we talked about today and use it deliberately, 
practically and strategically to accelerate your next career transition, conversation, or simply just to nourish your personal professional life. If you'd like to receive periodic content from me, please visit RamiBalut.com and register for my mailing list by signing up to receive your free ebook, which by the way, is an awesome ebook, if I may say. Until next time, this is your host and coach, Rami Balut, signing off for today's podcast on The Working At. Remember, if not you, then who? If not now, then when?